Well, we started a, a journey last week around a subject that I think is probably, for many of us, one of the major players in why we're not fulfilling or coming into the fullness of what it is that God has promised us. Is there anybody here who has a slight problem with their mouth? Do you find that your mouth often betrays what's in your heart? So we're continuing our little adventure on how to take the gift that God has given us and to use it well. And, and the problem for many of us is that we've already grown up in a culture where our mouth has either been used to defend ourselves. Has anybody ever done that? How about your, using your mouth to justify yourself? Is anybody guilty of that? Or even to put somebody back in the place you'd like them to be. Is anybody guilty of that? I find that when people bump into me, what's in me starts to flow out of me. So I'm a little careful as to what is inside me in the first place. But we become Christians and suddenly God wants to take control of how we use our mouths. For some of us, the initial stages of that were he started to challenge some of the foul language or the, the obscenities that used to come from our mouths. Has anybody ever been set free from that? Don't put your hand up for this. This is not a good place to disclose that. But you know in your heart who you are, and we bless you in the name of Jesus in your onward journey. But it's so much more than that, because it isn't just about God helping us not say certain things. Our mouth has been given to us so that we can declare some things. And God wants to release his kingdom through our mouth. One of the most amazing moments I ever had with that was praying for somebody. And, you know, for many years I'd pray for people. I was raised a Catholic, so I didn't say very much. I just put my hand on someone's shoulder and I'd, I'd say all the things on the inside. And God really challenged me. He said, I want you to speak over this person and I want you to speak life over their kidneys. And so I didn't know what to do with that. You know, how do you get into a conversation with somebody you've never known and the subject is their kidneys? It's a strange place to start. I usually start with hello. Do you? But we were praying and talking, so I thought, okay, we'll just trust you, God. And I prayed for this, this uh, lady and I said, I just feel that God wants me to speak life over your kidneys. And uh, straight away she felt the Holy Spirit touch her and she began to say, I've had problems with my kidneys for quite a number of years. And she began to sense the healing touch of God. And she was completely set free from a condition that she had that was troubling her. God was taking a mouth that had been used in many ways to tear people down, or even to justify the way I was living, or even to put someone back in their rightful place in my life. And he was starting to use this voice, this tongue of mine, to speak life over people, to speak truth over people. How many of us have found that when you speak truth over people, something amazing starts to happen in their heart and in their life? It would be true to say that many of us have had words spoken over us that have shaped the way that we have thought about ourselves or even shaped the way we lived our lives. How much more important, therefore, is it if words have such a power that when they come out of our lives, they're doing exactly that in the positive for those that are hearing them. I often believe when you're praying for somebody, you should be speaking life over them. You know, I think the church sometimes is guilty of pointing out what's wrong. And actually, our call is so much more than that. It's leading people into all that is right. God has a plan and a purpose, and he speaks 
And when he speaks, he speaks through us and he speaks life over other people. And isn't it true that in the church and as we walk with Jesus, we have to learn a whole new language. The language of cynicism has to give way and cave way into the language of faith. I remember one of the first prayer meetings I was in, I made what people call a negative confession. Have you ever prayed a prayer that's a negative confession? Come on, you can talk to me, please. Have you ever prayed a negative confession? Well, you pray something like this, oh God, I'm just not very good at anything. And we had, you know, some wonderful people in that group I was in. And this lady, she almost jumped up on the spot and she said, that's from hell. Now, I wasn't quite sure what she meant initially. (laughs) And I was a little offended, to be honest with you. But actually, what she was saying is, do not speak of yourself in ways or in a manner that's actually not in line with what God has to say about you. So we come away from certain types of speech and we're invited into this glorious adventure with God where we're learning the new language of heaven. Not a language that's speaking fake things over people, but a language that offers God the opportunity to bring life through our lives to other people. A language that brings hope where there's hopelessness, peace where there's turmoil, joy where there's disappointment. God has called us to learn a new language. And for me, that's probably been one of the hardest things that I've done. And don't we love communication? I mean, I watch you sometimes. You're on the phone. You're pretending to us that you're looking at scriptures. I know you're selling things on eBay, okay? And that you're watching your Facebook profile. And some of you are, is it tweeting? I call it twitting. Some of you are doing something and sharing things, but we, we love to communicate. And in fact, if you're at all interested in interacting and connecting with people, communication is one of the most incredible joys and sadly, some days, one of the most great disappointments. And so communication is a huge part of who we are. We, we express ourselves with our words. We express ourselves with the way we communicate and the way we interact with other people. And when my little girl was first born, I couldn't wait to hear her voice. And we, we you know, carried her around for a good number of months. And James said, did you speak today? Did you speak today? It took ages for her to speak. It was about what it felt like at that to me, 10 months or so before she said her first word. And guess what it was? No, it was Mama. <laughs> it wasn't Dad. I was hardly ever there. It was Mama. Mama. Well, you know, within months, I was praying that she hadn't spoken at all. The minute she found her voice, she never shut up. And in fact, to this day, she, t- she still likes to talk. We say to her, Emily, you're trundering. Have you heard of that term? It's, it's a term that says you're just talking for the sake of talking. Now, I know none of you would ever struggle with that. But for the benefit of your friend who could make it today, trundering is okay. And we love the fact that she communicates. She's always chatting with us, chatting with somebody. And that's a wonderful thing. So the power of speech and what comes out of our mouths is so, so important. There are so many things in the Bible about it. I could keep you here for weeks. But actually, God has ordained that we would speak life and bring life through our communication into every situation that we face. And in fact, the power of speech and the importance of doing that well and doing it in partnership with the Holy Spirit is actually fundamental to the journey that we're on as a community. Because in every new season, there's a new level of vocabulary to learn. 
We want to speak the language of faith and hope and expectation, not cynicism, disappointment, and any other language, maybe criticism. We want to speak joy and joyfully over contexts and people and situations. In fact, can I be bold enough to say to you that what comes out of your mouth lands in your life? If we're not careful, we don't pay attention to those things. But what comes out of our mouths, actually, we create an environment for those things to become a reality, whether that's positive or that's negative. Go with me, please, if you have a a Bible with you today, to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to read from verse 33 together. It says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. It's not me talking to you. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? And listen to this phrase. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man will bring evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So Jesus is highlighting to us that the climate within us, in many ways, through the use of our words, determines the environment around us. That actually, if our hearts are well, and our hearts are joyous, and our hearts are are open and filled with God, then actually the reality will be that our mouth will come into partnership with what's in our hearts. And through the working of God's purposes in how he chooses to use our communication, we create this environment where what God has done in us starts to become an apparent around us. What comes out of your mouth determines what lands in your lap. And it's important, therefore, to pay attention to the sound of our own voice. Look at verse 36. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, and this is the power of words, You will either be acquitted or you will be condemned. That's a heavy trip, isn't it? By your words, you will either be acquitted. In other words, you'll come into fullness. Or by your words, you will restrict the fullness that God has for you. Jesus is simply saying this. The words you speak will either increase you or they will decrease you. Your words are vital because they are the means and the way by which God hijacks your engagement so that his kingdom can manifest in and through your life. One of the wisest men that ever lived, a man in the Bible called Solomon, wrote these words in Proverbs 13, verse 3. It says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come into ruin. Now, I don't know how much you guard your lips. And in fact, that's the whole point of this conversation is that we would be a little bit more conscious about the things that we say, conscious about what it is in our hearts that causes us to say certain things. And more importantly, that we would be invited by God to speak out his glorious future over our lives and the lives of other people. But I want to say this to you if I can. How many of us at times have actually said something that changed everything? You'd be in the middle of a conversation, and I remember the first time 
with Jane when I started to feel romantic inclinations towards her. No one was more surprised than me, not that she wasn't beautiful, but my past was such that I never thought I would feel the things that I feel and continue to feel for her. But I remember the first time when I said to her, I love you. Everything changed. Everything changed. I moved from being somebody who did not believe, for whatever reasons, that I could ever have a relationship like that. And I moved through those words into a position where I was being made ready by God for just the relationship that he had for me, which is now my wife, Jane. Everything shifted. In her heart, everything shifted. We moved from just being people who were going out together with a hope that something of God was in the middle of it to someone who became confident that this man that was standing before her would be the person that she would spend the rest of her life with. Words have a power in a moment to change everything. I've also sat around tables where I've heard people say things like this. Sadly, sometimes I'm invited to this type of party. Please don't invite me. I don't want to come. But this is the type of thing that sometimes happens. They invite the pastor along because they're about to tell their spouse something that they should have told them themselves, but they didn't have the courage to do so. And sometimes I've sat in meetings and one man to his wife would say things like this, I'm sorry, I've been having an adulterous relationship with A. Now, we pause for a moment because we catch our breath in moments like that because in the one hand, like I've just demonstrated, words can bring life. They can change everything for a couple and start to align them with the future that God has for them. But in the same breath, words has the power to destroy something that was precious and beautiful and change that environment and change those people forever. Our words are highly important. And we've all been in situations where you've said the wrong thing and perhaps for the wrong reasons, maybe to the right person. You may have even at times said the right thing for the wrong reasons in the wrong environment to the person you're trying to communicate. We have all been guilty of speaking without thinking and without understanding that the words that we're about to say have the possibility of either destroying or indeed orchestrating the purposes of God. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote these words in James chapter 3, verses 5 to 10. He said, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account. Isn't that sometimes how we live? But it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do just that. By your speech, we can ruin the world. And it's true that sometimes I have ruined the world of people. We can turn harmony, something that's in order, into chaos. We can throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father, and with our tongues, we curse every man and every woman he's made in his image. Curses and blessings somehow come out of the same mouth. And I'm reading from the message version of the Bible there. So our words are vital. And they're vital because they either align us with who we're becoming or they take us back to where we've been. They either open up life over people and hope and joy or they shut things down that perhaps God 
desires to do something in. Our words are highly significant. They are given to us by God to release his kingdom purposes. And the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is joy, peace, and blessing in the Holy Spirit. So I need to come into this partnership with God himself to speak life over every environment. I had the great joy yesterday of going into the city of London. I've been here over nine months. And um, it's not because, you know, we didn't want to see the city. It's just that we, we, we didn't have the energy. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever gone into the city on a Saturday, I just think about every person on the planet goes shopping on Saturday here, don't they? It was absolutely packed. But I stood in the middle of Oxford Circus, and I was in awe of what a beautiful city London is. I just began to sense God's heart for the city, and I began to say things out over the city that I believed were prompted by the Holy Spirit. Now, when I look at the media and I listen to the reports on the news, there are so many things that are said about the city of London that are negative. So many things that are critical of various people in various pockets of responsibility. But you know, church, God hasn't placed us here to join in with the criticisms over London. It's not that we want to pretend there's problems. We are realists with a happy disposition because we have a God who gives us hope. So when I speak about the city or I speak about the church or I speak about leaders, I want to join my heart with God's heart. I want to align my words with the word of God and I want to speak life over a city. Well, you know, it was a funny thing to stand on a street corner and prophesy over London. But you know, in the rain, it seemed to make much more sense because while the moisture was damp, God began to speak to me about the fact that the soil was ready, ready for God to do something great in our city. Do you speak life over the city? Do you speak life? Do you call those things that aren't as if they are? Do you prophesy over people? Do you prophesy over broken communities? Do you prophesy over your family? Because you can use your voice to come into partnership with that which is in despair disrepair, or you can use your voice to create something for the Spirit of God to work in that will bring people out of despair and into joy and into fullness and into blessing. Our words really count. And we are at a juncture here as a community where we have to think a little bit more intelligently about the power of our words. God is aligning us to a new day, and that new day will require of us a new vocabulary. Go with me, if you can, please, just in my final moments to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Prophet Isaiah, who had prophesied many times and been used by God greatly, he starts to write these words. Verse 1. I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and with the train of his garment filling the temple, Seraphim were stationed above. Each of them had six winds. With two, they veiled their faces. With two, they veiled their feet. And with two, they hovered aloft. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, they cried one to another. All the earth was filled with his glory. At the sound of that cry, the frame of the door shook and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, woe to me, for I am doomed For I am a man of unclean lips, living amongst a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, holding an ember which he had taken with tongues from the altar. He touched my mouth with it. See, he said, now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, your sin purged. 
Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? Here I am, I said, send me. Isaiah had an encounter with the living God. And that encounter was an invitation to a new place of visibility and recognized kingdom authority. And right in the middle of this commissioning, the thing that he becomes most conscious about is his mouth. He was challenged by all that he evidenced that his mouth was not up to the adventure that lied ahead. In other words, his mouth would rob from him the invitation that God had afforded him. He was conscious that the holiness of God rendered him very clearly inept in his understanding of how he exercised his tongue to come into partnership with all that God wanted to do. And out of that, God in his grace sent a seraphim to take a coal from the fire and he burned Elijah's lips. And now he's been in, in, induced, if you like, or, or inaugurated into a higher level of spiritual authority as a result of his, in, his interactions with the God who is holy. We stand at a moment as a community where our vocabulary needs an upgrade. When we pray, we should be praying hope-filled prayers over the life of this city. We should be prophesying over each other. We should be speaking truth and not truth that destroys, but truth that brings out and, and opens up the fullness of God's heart and life. We, if we're not careful, have been affected by the cynicisms and disappointments of our world. And we're trying to move forward in this new life we've been given, but our old vocabulary is robbing us of the destiny that God has for us. Anytime God leads any kind of people into anything new, he improves their speech because their mouth opens up the season that lies ahead of them. In Acts chapter 2, when all the men and women are praying in the upper room, they're seeking the heart of God and they want the purpose of God to come to pass. And it says a spirit like the sound of a mighty rushing wind came and shook the whole house where they were meeting. And upon their heads came tongues of fire. And in that baptism of the Holy Spirit, they received a new vocabulary. They received the gift of tongues and prophecy. And in that moment, the kingdom of heaven began to permeate all over the city of Jerusalem because within hours of that encounter, they were out on the streets and 3,000 men, not counting women and children, came to faith that day in Jesus Christ. Notice that as God wanted to do something new, he began to change the way people speak. As God wanted to bring them into something more, he began to upgrade their vocabulary. I feel chastened these days about what comes out of my mouth. It's important that when I speak, I'm in partnership with the God who wants to bring life to people. And I want to rid myself completely of cynicism and criticism because I am a citizen of a whole new world. I am born again. I am a new creature in Christ. The old has gone and the new is coming and keeps on coming. And it will keep on coming as my tongue partners with its reality. 
to speak over myself, my family, my community, my church, all that God is doing in the city will require of us an upgraded vocal range that will start to speak the wonders of God. Now, many, many times when pastors speak on this subject, they want to stop you from gossiping. They want to stop you from saying things that are negative. My heart is not to bring that message to you today because those are things I think by now you know are not helpful to you or to anyone else. But in Proverbs 11, verse 11, this is what it says. The blessing of the upright, through the blessing of the upright, a city will be exalted. By the mouth of the wicked, it will be destroyed. Through the blessing of the upright, through the tongues of those that are in partnership with the, with the reality of God, a city will be exalted. We have been given a mandate, church, not just to reduce our negativity, but to produce God's kingdom reality. We have been given the Holy Spirit, not that we would just be free from our sin, but that when we open our mouth, captives will be set free, blind eyes will be opened, and the kingdom of God will come to people who've had nothing but harshness throughout the course of their life. Your loosened tongue is not to come into partnership with negativity, and it certainly isn't to identify with who you were prior to Christ. Your tongue has been given to you by God so that you would speak into the season ahead and orchestrate what God wants to do in your life and in the lives of people around you. What comes out of your mouth lands in your lap. 